The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links. With your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a new year and a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. Hope 2021 has treated all of you well so far as we're back with our first show of the new year. A lot to discuss and ponder coming out of a crazy 2020 and looking ahead at the year to come. And there will hopefully be some positive changes in 2021. In fact, there's going to be some changes to this program and another program on the site later on in 2021. More on that later in the program but first let us bring on our first matchup of the new calendar and an all-canadian battle at that on the program our champion jed mishu said you know what i'm the champ bring me a contender and that's what we'll hope to provide this week based off of this matchup so let's introduce the combatants first let us say hello to our buddy our pal the prince of positivity the co-host of on to the next one from mmafighting.com Mr. Alex K. Lee. How are you, my friend, with your Raptors t-shirt basking in the, in the greatness? Oh, yes, basking in their current one in four greatness. Yeah, I'm loving it. Uh, <laughs> I am doing great. I'm very excited. Well, I won't want to spoil the intro for our guests, but I'm very excited. This is this, uh, I, I, uh, you know, it's 2021, guys. It's a new year. All of my losses in 2020, off the record, just like the PFL guys, it's a new season. All right, I'm cleared, uh, and, I'm re- and I'm ready to make a playoff run and get that, get that $7 prize. So we got seven. We got a seven dollar prize, right, Mike? Um, I don't know. Maybe we get some sponsors this year. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll get. Some, maybe we'll get some seven dollar prizes, AK. But uh, happy to have you here and back on the panel. Very close friend of mine in this industry. He had a couple of appearances in 2020. A freelancer and does work for I don't know 112 different websites and platforms <laughs> now. He is the great James Lynch. Welcome back, my friend, and happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. Always love doing this show. And uh, yeah, we'd be here all day if we listed all the outlets I work for. But happy to be here. Happy to talk to my old buddy, uh, AK, uh, here and uh, two Canadians getting it going on uh, 2021. James there Lynch, one of, one of my mentors, one of my mentors in this business and uh, coming and always coming back to BTL to school me again. Just when I think the lessons are over and I can I can move on, another schooling is on the way. Sure, that's what uh, I'm here for. <laughs> so, so polite right off the bat. Jed Mishu is clearly not here on the program this week, uh-huh. but uh, let's kick things off with some big news we got during this hiatus from UFC action. We found out that Jan Blachowicz's first defense of his light heavyweight title is set for March 6th at UFC 259, and he will face 
the middleweight champion of the world, Israel Adesanya. Now, Dana White had been teasing this one for some time now. But James, we're going to begin with you. This one has been a topical discussion for a couple of months now. But now that it's official, is this the right call? Was this the fight to make? This was not the fight to make, Mike. I am excited by the matchup, and I think it's very intriguing to see how Israel Adesanya will do moving up a weight class to take on the current late heavyweight champion. But guys, we're tying up two divisions with this matchup, and it's this idea that there's no contenders is just not accurate. You've got Glover Teixeira. Wouldn't that have been the greatest story of last year? Glover Teixeira at his age, coming back and getting another title shot. He's absolutely earned it, getting the win over Tiago Santos last year, finishing Tiago Santos. Him fighting for a title would have been great, but that's on pause right now because of this fight. On top of that, you've got Robert Whitaker, who's waiting in the wings the former middleweight champion. Last time I checked, Robert Whitaker has had, what, one loss in the last couple of years, and it happened to beat Israel Adesanya. He's got two wins since then, getting the win over Darren Till and getting the win over Jared Cannonier. He, too, is now waiting on the sidelines because of this fight. This isn't even the fight everyone wanted. The fight everyone wanted was John Jones and Israel Adesanya. John's saying he's not even going back to 205 now. To me, this is not needed. Yes, it's cool, the intrigue of Izzy becoming a potential two-division champion, but it's not needed right now when you have two contenders already waiting in the wings right now, especially Whitaker, who said, look, guys, give me another month or two. I got another baby coming on the way. Give me a month or two. We can do the Israel Adesanya rematch. To me, this is not needed. And to me, it just shows the UFC's uh, lack of thinking long-term because you have some options already in those respective weight classes. AK, what say you? Was this the fight to make? I know you're a fan of the blockbusters and, you know, let's get these Let's get the money now, but you know what say you? Is this uh was this the right call? You got to strike while the iron is hot. You got to strike while the iron is hot. I look, I love Glover Teixeira. I love Robert Whitaker. Both those guys have done everything they've had to do to earn another shot. Okay, they, these were not, you know what I mean? This is uh, uh Teixeira, his his another shot at the Lighthouse Hotel. Years, years in the making. Uh, Whitaker, I know he lost the fin of fashion, uh, but I think you win two fights, you look pretty much as good as you were outside of the uh, Adesanya fight, then, you know, you've earned yourself a rematch. That, and then, yeah, look, I think that fight will happen again at some point. Uh, it does. It is a bit harder now because this matchup. But speaking to Blachowicz and uh, and Izzy, people wanted it, you know, and as soon as that horse, as soon as that suggestion was out there and the horse was out of the gate, you, you got to go for it. The, the, it's like we were saying, the money is there right there, you know? Uh, could you, again, could you try and build to it more in the future? Sure. But we've seen in this business, there's so much stuff that can go wrong with injuries, um, guys, you know, guys losing and then having to sort of regain their their luster before you can build them up for a super fight again. So if you can match up two stars, uh, uh, well, a star of the magnitude of uh, Ezia Adesanya and and uh, someone like Jan Blachowicz, who I feel is, again, kind of uh, underrated as far as, uh, you know, his likability. I mean, I know he's not a mainstream draw necessarily, but he could be if you build him up right. Maybe this is the matchup that does it. Again, I, I totally understand what James is saying. There are more deserving contenders. There's no question. But again, the word deserves, deserving in combat sports is almost meaningless. Uh, so I'm totally fine with it. And on paper, if you ask me what I'd rather see, uh, j- just from a, from an from a aesthetic standpoint, would I rather see Jan and Izzy fight over Izzy and uh, Robert too, or Jan and, well, I guess John Jones is going to happen. But uh, sorry, Jan and uh, Glover. I like the Jan-Izzy matchup. I, if I had to choose, if I had to choose only seeing one, I'm going Jan-Izzy. So based on that, that, that is my thinking, uh, in, pretty much ignoring the, the contenders' rankings. So both of you gentlemen mentioned the the two sort of wild cards in this factor. One, Robert Whitaker, the other, Glover Teixeira. Both guys have, as you both have stated, unequivocally earned the right to fight for championships in their respective divisions. But AK, let me go back to you and let me ask you this. If you are Whitaker and Teixeira right now, what do you do? Like, do you try and stay active? Do you wait and see how this all plays out before you make your next move in a sport where things can change so frequently? Like, what do you do? 
uh, if you're Whitaker, you call out to Shara. You call him out and say, you know what? We're not, you know, and I, I just thought of this right now. You know what? We're not busy. Let's fight either. I'll come up to 205 and fight you. We'll fight at a catch weight. And then whoever wins, whatever, you know, it, it'll keep us busy. Theoretically, shouldn't knock whoever loses, shouldn't necessarily lose their, you know, lose their spot in the rankings. Especially if it's just a fun fight. Obviously, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, Whitaker I, has, has never expressed any interest at going up to 205. He's a former welterweight, for goodness sake. Uh, Glover Shara, of course, would be very confused. If a Robert Whitaker fight came around, um, I, I, gosh, it's so hard to say. Wait, uh, in, in both cases, if I'm being serious, they both take another fight. Um, is that what they should do? I, I don't think so. Is that what will probably happen? Yeah, because the way these title things get get uh, get tied up, if they choose to wait for either Izzy or, or Blahovitz, man, it, it could be they might not fight until summer, maybe after summer. And, and I just don't see how that's tenable for some of these guys. So if they can wait, they should. I don't think they will. I think I think both of them are going to take a fight. What do you think, James? Do you wait and see, or do you just stay active and, you know, stay on the radar here? You wait and see. I mean, why would Glover take another fight here? He's unbeaten in what the last five uh, five fights or five fight win streak heading into this one. Like, who's he even going to fight at this point? He could fight, you know, maybe the winner of those Reyes, uh, you know, Reyes and, and Yuri Prohaska. You could fight uh, the winner of Santos and Rakic, although he just beat Santos. I mean, to me, there's just not a lot of options there for either of these guys to fight. And for Whitaker, like, what is he going to fight? Paulo Costa? People talking about that. Costa just got destroyed in his last fight. Why should Whitaker, who came off a pretty impressive win over Jared Cannon, you have to fight a guy like Costa? To me, I say you waited out. You never know what happens in that fight. What if there's a quick finish in that one? What if, you know, either guy gets knocked out really quickly? You could do a quick turnaround there. I don't think, especially for Glover, I mean, we're talking about this guy might never get a title shot again. Why jeopardize that by taking another fight in between there? For Whitaker, I mean, he just had a kid. I think he can wait a little bit longer. He probably wants to spend some more time with his family. He's talked in the past when he was champion about being pressured to take fights and having to be more probably more active than he wanted to be. So I think you, you wait it out. And I just don't see a viable option for either fighter at this point because Glover, I mean, anyone he'd be fighting is a step down and for Whitaker yeah there's guys that are ranked high but I just I, I don't think there's a fight there that makes a lot of sense considering who Whitaker's already beaten the division so I say wait it out it's worked for certain fighters I think it could work out for both of these guys James let me go back to you because I mean obviously big things await the winner of this matchup no doubt about it especially if you're Israel Adesanya two division champion your star power continues to rise maybe the the the, the John Jones fight happens after that he bumps up to heavyweight if Blahovich wins, he beats a huge name. He gets the big rub. Who knows? Maybe even the John Jones opportunity comes his way. And But at least if, if Jan wins, things sort of return to normalcy for a little while. And these divisions can continue on. But in the long term, James, for the business of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, for all involved, what is the best case scenario in terms of how this plays out? Is it better long term if Israel wins or better long term if Jan Blahovich wins? I think unfortunately, and this goes against kind of what I was saying, is I think long-term Izzy winning does make more sense. You be a two-division champion that gets more stock in the eyes of the mainstream fans and whoever, right? I mean, that's an easier sell than than say, you know, someone else. And and also, I think you can kind of see what the UFC is doing with the matchmaking here. At 205, with John Jones leaving, that's a huge void in terms of star power. If you get out of Sonya up there, who's one of the best personalities, not just the middleweight, but in general in MMA, that certainly adds a nice, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, rocket underneath that division in terms of it being more popular. So I think long-term, it is better than that and they'll have to sort it out in terms of whatever because then look if Izzy wins the title he could vacate middleweight he there's a lot of different options you can do but um yeah I think business-wise this is what we're given so you got to play with what you're given and I think it is uh, Adesanya winning would be better because let's be honest here how much longer is Jan Blakovich going to be fighting here he's 37 I mean three years I think that's probably the max we'll see him fight you never know but I think long term it's better if Izzy's champ all right. And AK, what do you think? Is it better long-term for business for the UFC if Israel Adesanya wins 
two-division champ, or is it better long-term if Jan Blachowicz wins, things sort of get back to normal? Yeah, it's hard for me to argue with the Izzy thing because uh, two-division champ, it opens up, again. it sort of keeps the John Jones fight alive. Again, I think that fight at some point will be beyond wins and losses, but really you need that luster of two, unde- you know, two undefeated guys for it to have the most heat. So whether it lowers, whether he, if, you know, if he beats Blachowicz, whether that lures Jones back to 205, or Izzy you know, actually says he's killed, do what he's uh, said he's going to do in the past, Excuse me, and actually go up, chase Jones up to heavyweight. I don't think he would do that, but it would it would it would make it more likely that he'd do that uh, if he beat Blahovich. I don't think he would try and do that off of a loss. It'd be a very strange move. More likely, he goes back to 185 and you know keeps that run going because he's also said he wants to have a legacy at 185. So you know, good for Izzy. He's keeping his cards open. But yes, a, a win for him is probably better for everyone from marking standpoint. But don't count out what beating, uh, you know, Izzy would mean for Blachowicz. Because again, this guy is so unappreciated, including by myself. I, I've picked against him uh, in many fights. It, it, my predictions are on record MMA fighting. I predicted that Blachowicz would lose almost every fight except the, I think I got, gosh, just one that, oh, Rockhold. I think I knew he'd be wrong. No, I might have gotten that one wrong too. I'm terrible at predictions. But I, I think, I think, Again, you know, look, Blahovich might never be, be have that mainstream appeal like a John Jones, like a uh, Israel Adesanya, but I, I think there's so much value just in having a consistent, strong, uh, uh, well-spoken champion like Jan Blahovich. Uh, so I, I, the Izzy thing definitely much more appeal to him winning for for the company. But I hope that they don't that they don't consider it a, a, a and fans don't consider it a bad outcome uh, should Blahovich beat uh, Izzy Adesanya because Blahovich is an exciting fighter too. That's the weird thing is he's a guy who, who has exciting fights and for some reason just doesn't get counted uh, when we talk about like the most exciting fighters in the sport. His fights are really really good um, outside of maybe one or two clunkers, but everyone has those. Um, so I, I I don't think it's like the end of the world. If uh, Blahovich kind of halts the halts the uh, Izzy Adesanya train, and I hope that uh, that the UFC would know how to pivot to sort you know putting a little more marketing muscle behind Blahovich should that happen. AK, we did our 2021 prediction show on on to the next one, and we did a slew of buy or sell questions. And you know what happens when you have one champion versus champion fight? Once one domino falls, everybody wants to have champion versus champion fight. So buy or sell that this will be the only champion versus champion fight of 2021. No, no. I'm struggling a little bit to think what the other one would be. Uh, Part of me, and I don't know if if I'll have a chance to mention this later in the show, depends what the questions are, but uh, part of me thinks... Would would almost count it if Cejudo came back uh, on someone like uh, in another weight class. I, again, I know he's not really the champion anymore. Uh, he would certainly push it as sort of a champion versus champion thing. <sighs> Outside of the UFC, there pro- there's probably options too. Uh, I, I, gosh, I wish off the top of my head I could think of something specific, but no, I don't think it's so early in the year to say that I'm. I'm I admit I'm playing it a bit safe here. I don't think it's the only uh, champion versus champion fight that we see. What do you think, James? I mean, you are kind of a proponent of normalcy and meritocracy and keeping these divisions flowing the way they are. But once this thing happens and it does, if it does really good numbers and magic happens and Adesanya has this magical moment or vice versa, do you think this creates more? Will this be the only time we see an undisputed champion fight another undisputed champion in 2021? 
we'll see another champion versus champion fight. Absolutely. I see that happening. Um, and unlike Alex, I'll actually give you some examples. Valentina, I think could potentially move up and fight Amanda Nunes again. I think because who's Nunes going to fight if she beats Megan Anderson at, at you know, at bantamweight right now, it's kind of slim pickings. Um, you know, conversely for Valentina, if she beats Jessica Andrade, what is next for her at flyweight? So I could see that happening. Conversely, what if Weili Zhang, I mean, they're having a hard time booking her for her next fight. What if she decides to move up and fight Valentina? I think the women's divisions is something to keep an eye on in terms of champ versus champ fights just due to lack of options. So those are some. Um, but outside of that, I don't think you'll see, you know, uh, maybe as he moves up, but to heavyweight, I don't know. But there's there's a lot of things at play here. But I, you know, just the way things are going, just the way the UFC seems to think outside the box in terms of some of the matchmaking and the pressure on, you know, them putting on good cards for ESPN, I could absolutely see this happening again. Big fight for the UFC on March 6th for the 205-pound title. Looking forward to talking about it more and more as the weeks go by. But the point for this opening round goes to James Lynch. He is on the board. As the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. To move ahead to another big fight announcement that just became official, UFC 257, January 23rd, first pay-per-view of the new year, Michael Chandler will make his highly anticipated Octagon debut against Dan Hooker. Now, as I reported on the A-side a couple of weeks ago, when initial reports first came out about this fight, it was not done. It was not even close to being done. In fact, Dana White even told the schmo that the original plan was to book Chandler versus Charles Oliveira for this card, but Oliveira, per what Dana White told the schmo, wasn't gonna be able to make the weight since he just fought Tony Ferguson at UFC 256. So the fight is done, AK, and I feel like this is a trend with these first two questions, but now we got Chandler versus Hooker at UFC 257. Was this the right fight to make? Uh, yeah, it's a great fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know there are other options. I know there's other stuff on paper that looked great. But, man, how could anyone object to Michael Chandler versus Dan Hooker? Dan Hooker may be the most exciting fighter of uh, 2020. I know on our own uh, MMA fighting uh, end of the year list, I believe he had one entry in the top five and then I think uh, another entry in the top, uh, whatever, our top ten, whatever that may be. Uh, so I, I think he's the only one that, that had that. And, I, and this isn't new for Dan Hooker. Uh, anyone who's followed his career, the guy has instant excitement. You know, he's he's also one of those guys who's like right. At, you know, he's in the top ten, always kind of look finding a, trying to find a way to crack the top five. So this fight matters a lot in that sense too. But I mean, just as far as is this an exciting fight for the fans, for, for any of us, you know, in the media, anyone watching, it's an amazing fight. It's so 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 good. Um, Hooker deserves a big name. Uh, Chandler deserves to fight a top ten guy. So I mean, in a way, both 
fighters are getting are getting what they want. Uh, it's I mean, is a little is it a little bit of a drop off for Chandler considering you know he was in talks to uh, act as a replacement for the Habib Gaethje fight? I, I guess in, in that sense, if you want to look at it through that lens, um, is it a little bit of a drop off from Charles Oliveira? Yeah, maybe given how hot Oliveira is, but really you can't do you can't do much uh, uh, much better than than uh, Dan Hooker, who is again top, been top ten ranked for a while. So the other thing to look at is. Uh, uh, you know, Hooker, I think, is, is Hooker's coming off that loss to Poirier, so it's fine. But so he's got a little bit to prove. Chandler's coming off a couple of wins, but there's that that stink of that Pitbull loss. I feel like it's still lingering. I think a lot of people still think like that was his last fight. He's he's on a two fight win streak. It's still there. So you beat a guy like Hooker, it, it's it's just instant credibility. And, and of course, the other good reason for booking this fight for uh, UFC 257 specifically is maybe. If Khabib Nurmagomedov is completely out of the picture, then we get our next lightweight title fight from the winners of this fight and, uh, of course, the Poirier-McGregor um, rematch. So kudos, UFC matchmakers. I'm, I'm all in on this one. James, AK, very pro this fight. Are you in the same boat? Is this Was this the right fight to make? It's a great fight. It's a fun fight. But it, was this the, the right fight? With everything we know now, yes, this was the right fight to make. But I want to back up a little bit in something that we didn't talk about here. And that was Michael Chandler had the opportunity to fight Tony Ferguson. And if you look at the way Ferguson lost that last fight, you do wonder if there was a missed opportunity there for Chandler. Because had he taken it on short notice and let's say he lost, he'd have that excuse in his back pocket that he had to cut weight for the title fight. And he could have cut him in here. Because I'll be honest, I mean, this is a great fight on paper. I'm looking forward to it. No regrets in terms of, you know, not, you know, this fight being put together. I think it's amazing. But this is a tough fight for Michael Chandler. And he's fighting a guy who's much bigger than him. Dan Hooker stands at six feet tall with a 75.5 inch reach Chandler's only five eight with a 69 inch reach so it's going to be a tough fight for his outing whereas like I said if he fought Ferguson he'd have the built-in excuse already that was short notice he could have taken it um and also I can't remember the last time the UFC signed someone like a marquee signing like this where it was so delayed to see his debut I mean Chandler signed what in the fall and here we are talking about a fight here in January so I think all things considered this is the best fight they could put together you got to give Chandler I mean with how highly they thought of him you have to give him a top five I think is ranked number six. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's just a good test for Chandler to see where he's at. And, you know, I'll go back even further before the Pitbull loss. Remember when he lost to Will Brooks a couple of years ago? That was kind of one of those fights where, if you remember, Chandler kind of put the sign up like, hey, I'm done. He got hit too hard. I mean, there have been some setbacks in Chandler's career. So I think it's a bit of redemption for him as well to show that he is one of the top lightweights. It's not just, uh, you know, a case of where, you know, he's coming over from Bellator and he's not as talented. I'm curious to see how he performs under the bright lights, especially on this card where, Let's say something happens with, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens between the main event, but you have a backup there in case something happens. So, uh, yeah, great matchmaking, great fight. And I think a good test for both guys, especially with Hooker, because what's the theme with Hooker in his career at lightweight? It's when he gets that step up, he tends to falter. He lost to Barbosa, lost to Dustin Poirier, albeit close fights. Well, the Poirier fight much closer. Um, I think it's a good test for both guys. First of all, let me just preface this next question by saying that I love this fight. I'm with both of you. It's a great fight. And I think it, it actually fit into what I was thinking when Chandler signed with the UFC. Like Hooker was a guy on my list. Paul Felder was at the top of my list, but that was the kind of caliber of opponent that I was looking for. But then he got this promotional push, James, making him the backup fighter. And I thought, you know, maybe they do Gaethje, maybe they do Oliveira. But it seemed at this point, this was a sort of, we have to get Chandler on this card, no matter what type of scenario Hooker's in. So that's what it shall be. Did the UFC have to put Chandler on this card, especially with Connor fighting Dustin? Like, I understand that it's COVID and all this stuff. And if you lose Connor, you're screwed anyways. But could they have waited a month, maybe two to have this debut? Maybe get him Gaethje, maybe get him Oliveira? Or was this sort of a ticking clock? We have to get Chandler on this card with Connor. 
I, I think the longer it goes without him fighting, the, the more that signing sort of loses its luster. You know, here's something I talked to Ben Askren a few weeks ago, and, you know, he made the point that when he was signed, they booked his fight right away. And people were interested in, in sort of the hype of him coming on board with Chandler. I think the longer you delay this, the more that signing doesn't mean as much. Yes, he was the backup. And yes, the UFC holds him in high regard, but he's got a fight. I think, you know, to a lot of fans, I mean, we've seen them everywhere. Bellator's the B leagues and you know, UFC's the, the top notch. Like, like let's prove it. We need to see that right now immediately. And I think Chandler is a good opportunity to sort of silence those naysayers. If he goes out there and gets a win, but the biggest thing is him being active because you can't sign someone and have all this hype and talk about it and then not follow through on it. I think the longer you go with that, the more that signing doesn't mean as much. What do you think AK? And also let me, let me, let me add this. The, the betting odds have come out. Dan Hooker's a minus minus one seventy favorite in this fight. Are you surprised by these odds? And you know, what do you think of the UFC just throwing and putting him on this card? Like, did they have to do that or could they have waited? Not surprised by the odds at all. Uh, again, coming over from Bellator, there's going to be a lot of skepticism. I do think I do think Dan Hooker has faced the stronger competition and not, not to take anything away from some of the guys that uh, Chandler has fought. But uh, one of the wins, one of Chandler's recent wins is like Sydney Outlaw. Sydney Outlaw is a tough guy. Sydney Outlaw is not someone I would consider a guy who would be top 20, top 30 in the UFC, if, I, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, and meanwhile, Dan Hooker's been fighting guys in the top 20 in the UFC for, you know, for years now. So the odds don't bother me at all. Minus 170, I, th- I think that's just about right. I think going any higher, I think going like two to one, if, if it reaches that level, which it might, I, I would love to see how much action starts coming in on Hooker based on those uh, initial odds. I think that might be a bit much. Uh, but uh, as James said, though, he is a bigger fighter and he's just so damn skilled. And we know he can battle the best of the best. Uh, Chandler's facing really good competition, just not quite as consistently as as Dan Hooker has. Oh, excuse me, as Dan Hooker has. Uh, and Mike, I do love it on this card uh, for the reasons I said before. I think I think you set yourself up for, again, a, a number one contender situation because uh, I know there's still some last minute hope that like maybe the, the Poirier and McGregor rematch will be for an interim title or, uh, or they, if they strip Khabib during fight, I don't know. You know, you never know at the UFC. They can make these decisions very quickly. Dana White is supposedly meeting with Khabib. Maybe he meets up and then right after says, yep, we're stripping this guy. <laughs> That's it. Uh, 4A McGregor, let's make up some new posters. We got about a week to go. Can we fire out some new, uh, some new posters online? But... Uh, even, even if that's not the case, even if it's an, that's one number one contender, uh, and then the other number one contender comes from, uh, from, uh, Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler, then I think that's perfect booking. I, I, I love when things work like that, work out like that for promotions, when you have, uh, the, you know, almost like a little mini tournament without, have, without having to call it that, uh, because again, you don't promise anything to anyone guys can injured guys can take other fights, but I think you do a kind of a light push uh, during fight week and, and, and you kind of suggest, Hey, Two of these four guys from these really, really great lightweight fights will be fighting for the title uh, uh, sometime in the first half of the year. So uh, I think it works out perfect for them. I'm really glad, actually, that they put on this card. AK, let me, let me ask you this. I, I understand where you're coming from with the number one contender option. It's kind of, let's be honest, it's kind of hard to, to give Dan Hooker that rub coming off the loss to Dustin Poirier. I mean, maybe you can if he does something spectacular, but there's some important names that, that are not being discussed right now. Like, where does this leave Justin Gaethje? Like, he did say he wants the winner in McGregor Poirier, which makes a lot of sense. Where does this leave Charles Oliveira now? Like, does the UFC match those guys up? Or is still Oliveira the odd man out of this equation? I feel like we've been talking about this for so long now. Oliveira, even beating Tony Ferguson, still might be the odd man out. Is he still the odd man out? Like, where do these two guys go? Gaethje, 
Look, no, no one's going to complain if you got a title shot, uh, another title shot coming off a loss. He's one of the baddest mother efforts out there. Uh, he's going to give anyone a tough fight. And with the right matchup, he, really, he could he could become champion, right? He could become undisputed champion. Uh, but I do, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with Gaethje having to pick up a win before getting another shot at the title. I'm not saying he has to, but I think it looks good if he stays busy and gets another win, gets puts on another exciting fight, gets himself another bonus. I, I just don't see how there's a problem with that. Oliveira, on the other hand, uh, is legitimately getting screwed. Oliveira has more of a case for getting a title shot than Chandler or Hooker, for sure. Uh, undisputed. Really, he has more of a case for a title shot, probably than definitely than McGregor uh, and maybe even Poirier. So he he is sadly the odd man left out of here. Kind of goes to what our, our our question we asked about um about Whitaker and Glover Teixeira. If if they if the UFC does decide to go this way and make this kind of final four out of uh, the UFC 257 matchups, should Oliveira wait? 100% if Oliveira can wait, yes, wait until uh, there's a new champion and then he should be the number one challenger. Will the UFC allow him to do that? Will he want to do that? Gosh, I don't know. I don't know, but I think it's a smart thing to do. If he can, if he can stand maybe fighting only once this year, but it's for a UFC title, then Charles Oliveira, that is what you should do. But yeah, he is, the, he is definitely the guy getting the uh, shortest end of the stick here. Do you agree, James? Or, you know, we talked about missed opportunities and I know your health comes first. And if you just cut all that weight to get to 155 and you did and you got a big win, that's great. You don't want to hurt yourself. But where does Oliveira go now? Like if he was the initial guy to welcome Chandler to the UFC and he said, no, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to wait it out, wait for another opportunity later in the year. Did he miss the boat here or where does he go? Where does Gaethje go? I don't think it matters uh, in this case. I know I talked about Chandler missing an opportunity with Ferguson, but I think with Oliveira, guys, do you really see, let, let's say Conor McGregor beats Poirier and let's say it was for the title. Do you see them putting Oliveira against Conor McGregor? I don't. I think that's a nightmare matchup for Conor, to be honest. I think Oliveira is one of the biggest threats in that division. But the problem is, guys, he's not very marketable. He doesn't speak a lot of English. He's not a guy that's really doing a lot of self-promotion. I see that being sort of a nightmare scenario for the UFC because they can't market a guy like that, right? So I think had he took the Chandler fight, I think it would be probably even more devastating for him when he finds out he's not going to get for, to fight for the title, especially if Conor wins. You guys know right now, if the Beeb's not coming back, the UFC is going to do everything in their power to make Conor McGregor champion again. Whether And I'm not saying they're going to give him easy fights or anything, but you know that's what they want. And I think you give Oliveira any of those guys in the top five, I think he has a very good chance there. And we saw that in the last fight with Ferguson. Absolute dominant performance. So I don't think it matters in this case because I think even if he had taken the fight, I think he'd still be the odd man out because I don't think the UFC is in a rush to give him a title shot. Does he deserve it? Absolutely. I'm, I've been on the Charles Oliveira bandwagon for a while. And, and what he did to Kevin Lee earlier, early last year, defeating him at his own game, outstriking him was super impressive. You think this is a ground guy, but he's evolved his striking so much too. So... I don't think it matters in this case. And I think if you want to look at, you know, I know we're going to get to storylines later, but I think one of them you're going to see this year is Oliveira getting screwed over a lot this year because I just don't see the UFC's in a rush to put him in a, in a good scenario to win a title. A lot of questions at 155. Some of them will be answered on January 23rd, UFC 257, but we will head to our next question this matchup oh, in the Mike, Mike, round two. Mike, oh, oh, you oh, have Mike, some more? I, I, may, I, I may cost myself a point here, but I just want to say that answer, uh, James' answer made me so sad because... Uh, the 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 that Charles Oliveira is not considered marketable because I mean in cage amazing you know for anyone who sees his fights for sure would love him um, but the fact that oh gosh and I'm not saying James is wrong I'm saying that in this industry we consider that kind of thing we consider a guy like him not marketable a guy who spent his 
uh, he's using his social media to, uh, you know, in the last month or the holiday season to tweet about sort of all these charitable, these great charitable things he's been doing. Maybe it's PR for him, fine, whatever. But he's trying to spread a positive message. You know, he's spreading this about helping people and using his resources to help people. Meanwhile, we have guys like McGregor who are tweeting about their achievements from 11 months ago, uh, saying like, "Oh, by the way, I was the number one." Pe-. But and and it's horrible because you're because that of course that's going to get a hundred times the amount of attention and traffic that that uh, Charles, Oliveira, Charles Oliveira's charitable efforts are getting. So uh, Dustin Poirier also does a lot of charity. So uh, I, I'm not disagreeing with James. It's just his answer made me super sad that that we live in this world where be, because just because he, yes, he, he doesn't speak English, uh, doesn't speak a lot of English. And because he doesn't use his social media to talk a lot of trash, he's not marketable. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to fix this. So <laughs> maybe it's us in the media. It's our part. Too. We're part of it too. I totally understand. We're part of it too. We got to work together. We got to fix this. AK. <laughs> yeah, I did. I deserve. Yeah, no, I did it. I did it. Yeah. I don't know. You pulled, you, you pulled at my uh, philanthropic heartstrings, AK, with that one. I tr- you really I did. To. You did a good job. You know your audience. But unfortunately, the point for round two is going to go to James Lynch, a commanding 2-0 lead here. But this is uh, but this is where AK thrives. He's the comeback kid. This is a new year, AK. We've turned the calendar. The loss from 2020, there are no more. All the losses in your in the past are gone. Now a chance to come back and make some history here. But uh, since it is a new year, and we've sort of prefaced this in the last question, leads to everyone making their predictions for how the year is going to play out. AK and I did a big prediction show, and on to the next one. You can listen to that wherever you find your favorite podcast. But there's obviously some huge storylines that a lot of people are talking about. AK discussed a lot of them also in a feature he wrote for the website. So head to MMAfighting.com and look for those. But you know how we like to do on these programs. We like to dig a little deeper. So James, let me begin with you. We know Habib's future, John Jones to heavyweight, amongst others, massive storylines for 2021. But what is your under the radar storyline for 2021? Something that's on your mind that just not a lot of people are talking about. I think one of the things we're going to see this year in terms of an underrated storyline is the, the decline of one of the most popular fighters in the sport and had one of the best fight one of the best fights of all time a couple of years ago. And that is Rory McDonald. You know, a lot of people are already marking Rory McDonald in as the winner of the PFL tournament. And I don't think that's the case. I think the Rory McDonald we've seen recently in the last two fights is a shell of his former self. And I think one of the things we're not going to get to see this year is Rory McDonald thrive in PFL. I don't see him winning the tournament. I think Rory McDonald is is nowhere near what he used to be. And I think he's sort of checked out a little bit. You remember that fight last year against John Fitch? It might have been the Neiman Gracie fight, actually. But him talking about how he didn't want to hurt his opponents. I think that's one thing. Like, if you just think of where Rory McDonald was, having that fight of the year against Robbie Lawler and nearly winning a title to where he is now in PFL. And, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for him. Hey, listen, I'm a dad. I'd love to go fight for a million dollars, right? And I think there's a good opportunity for him. But I don't think, I think this is the year we're really going to see Rory just decline and not be what he used to be. And it's kind of sad because Rory's not that old, but he's one of those guys who in fight years is very old. He's been fighting since he's 16 and is a fellow Canadian. It kind of breaks my heart to see where Rory's at at this point because I think, you know, most people watching felt like he was going to be a champion at some point. And, you know, for Bellator to not even want to bring him back, I think speaks volumes to where he's at in his career. So I think that's going to be one of the most underrated storylines this year is the decline of Rory McDonald. And I don't see him thriving very well in PFL. AK, what do you think? Like, what is a, a big thing that's not getting the proverbial rub with, with all these big names at the forefront? Aside from uh, hashtag Marlon on Marlon? Mike, why are, <laughs> why are more people... Did, this isn't something we made up on onto the next one. They're, 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 they're talking to each other. Marlon Vera and, Mar, and uh, Marlon Benais, there, there, was, there was a little of a, of a, of a Twitter tete-a-tete. And, and, and I checked, I checked hashtag Marlon on Marlon. I think it's still just me. And I think I'm the only one using that hashtag. Why is this not a thing? So 
I'm hoping that that's not an under the radar storyline. I'm hoping that that ramps up and that we get that fight. What a, what a, what are people not talking about this? Uh, but aside from my own putting my, my personal interests aside a little bit, uh, this story, I, I feel like it shouldn't, I, I don't even know if it counts under the radar, but I think in the wake of what it's related to, it is uh, sort of under, under reported, though I guess there isn't much to report. I am surprised that, uh, People aren't talking a little bit more about the possibility of Stipe Miocic retiring, uh, unless there is a big discussion that I've been missing. I think, obviously, the t- if we're talking heavyweight, it's all about John Jones. Uh, you know, John, when is when is John Jones going to make his debut? When is Stipe going to fight Francis? When can we get John Jones into a title shot? You know, whether it's against Stipe or Francis, as soon as possible. Stipe is again, arguably the greatest heavyweight in, in MMA history. I, 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 I'm not sure he's in the top of my list, but any list that includes him at number one. Perfectly valid based on his his in cage accomplishments, his number of title defenses, the, the the names that he's beaten. He's beaten everybody in his era. You know, he's beaten everybody that he, everybody he could possibly beat. And I think part of it is yes, he's got this kind of understated personality where he's not going to make a big deal out of retirement. I almost see it as like he'd be one of those Tim Duncan guys where he might he might not be the kind of guy to do the in cage uh, leave the gloves. I could see him not doing the leave the gloves in the cage thing. I could see him doing the he fights. They ask him the question. It's the last time we've seen you. He says, oh, I'm going to talk to my family. And like five weeks later, after everyone's stopped talking about it, maybe he says something on Instagram or Twitter like, yep, uh, I'm done. Or, or appears on some show. But I could see him wanting to avoid the pomp and circumstance of retirement. And again, that's probably one of the reasons why no one's talking. People just don't expect it. But he's getting up there. He's obviously up there in age. He's done everything he's wanted to accomplish. He's We're getting down to rematches now. He's, gonna have to, he's probably going to have to fight in Ganu again. Which is not something I would want to do once, much less twice. Uh, he did, of course, he, he did great in the first fight, but I mean, who wants to go and risk another five rounds with Ganu, right? Uh, the John Jones fight is something he'd want to go out on for sure. I imagine if he win, he'd retire. But it's weird. I, but I do consider it under the radar just because, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's just he's underappreciated in general. But I do, but I do think when, when he's gone, I think people are going to miss kind of what Stipe brought to the table, um, both his kind of you know quirky personality uh, and also and also his performances. So uh, yeah, I hope people realize very realistically uh, whether he fights John Jones or not, whether he beats Ngannou or not. This could be the last time we see Stephen Milch's fight this year. One of my under the radar, non, not really talked about. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal, and I feel like it's getting talked about more now that it was made official as we record. But UFC is going to be on network television on mm, January 16th. Yeah. Cater versus Holloway is going to be on ABC. This is just massive news, AK. How do you react to this? I mean, this this is huge news getting on network television. Like, it's going to reach so many different households. Those who have ESPN Plus can still watch it, but ABC going to reach a lot of different eyeballs is it not abc now stands for a blessed channel uh based on max holloway now getting and uh, yes you can use that hashtag a blessed channel we gotta get these going uh first of all if i hear the words new england cartel on abc my gosh i am going to rip what's left of my hair out here uh and i know it will in fact mike it'll probably be a sound bite from you uh, i can imagine airing on abc <laughs> Because you keep pushing New England cartel. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's it's weird. It's it's UFC has expanded so much broadcast wise over the last you know five years. I think that's one reason why we would consider underreported because I'm uh, I'm impressed, of course. Uh, but again, you know, part of the ES, you know ESPN, it's all under the Disney umbrella. I, it, it's funny. I guess we all should have thought that it was, something like this was going to happen eventually. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would have predicted it happening so soon. I, I I thought they were still trying to sort of establish themselves ESPN, ESPN Plus, other ESPN affiliates. But why not? Why not make that move to, uh, you know, one more move towards the quote unquote mainstream that we all, people, fans love to talk about. M- M- MMA is finally mainstream. Um, 
uh, and this is a great fight for it because uh, you know it's going to be an exciting fight. It's you've got you've got an established champion, a veteran guy, uh, uh, former champion, I would say, uh, in Holloway, who's seen it all. He's the perfect guy to do media. Uh, Calvin Cater, very funny guy. Uh, I think I, I think we've all spoken to him. He's a great, great, great interview. He's going to be a great face, I think, to have uh, in the first uh, the first I mean, event on ABC. So um, yeah, it's. I don't know how much this. I think Mike. The other thing is, I don't know how much this matters to hardcore fans i think most hardcore fans are just kind of like oh whatever is do i, do I still tune in where i tune in what is it? just let me know how to watch it i don't care what this means for the ufc but it, it is it's going from uh fox which is you know uh has some aggressive programming let's put it that way it wasn't it wasn't off brand for them espn is a sports channel of course so espn it's natural to have any sport on there but now yeah to break onto abc it's it sounds as strange as strike force on cbs you know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's kind of of that vibe, and uh, and and maybe as meaningful. What do you think of this, James? I mean, of course, UFC's been on network television before with Fox, but I mean, ABC. I mean, when I think of ABC, wide world of sports, many many of great boxing championship fights have been on ABC. I mean, this is this is pretty good stuff. It is. I do wonder how it's going to translate because when I think of ABC, I think of it as more like a family channel, and like there's still people out there now that are like UFC and MMA. Brutal. It's too barbaric. And like, I do wonder how those naysayers will feel about it being on that network, but I, I wish it the best. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people. I'd love to see MMA grow as much as it can and get to a different audience. So I think that's uh, really solid. And I agree, this should be a bigger deal. I'll throw one more out at you because we haven't discussed this as another sort of under the radar storyline. How about the apparel deal with Venom? I mean, this is something that's coming up in April. This should be a really big deal. Remember when Reebok came in and it's like, wow, we're going to be, you know, professional and all this. But I'll be honest, when they said Venom, I was kind of like, eh, like, you know, this is a step down. I mean, Reebok's a bigger brand. Venom's sort of been an MMA brand for a while. I'm looking forward to getting new apparel because I think the apparel with Reebok, if I'm speaking for myself here, not very great. I'm excited to see what they can come up with there. But this has to be a step down considering they were with Reebok. And I know Reebok's going through their own sort of financial issues. But to go from that to just an MMA only brand, I think it's got to hurt them a little bit long term. So, We'll see how that goes. And another tidbit, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but I heard this from a coach the other day. Apparently, the Reebok deal is only for actual apparel. Like the shoe deal with Reebok is actually still extended through this year. But in April, it's only their apparel. So they'll still be wearing Reebok shoes, but the shirts will be from Venom. Have you guys heard this or not? Because I, I got a tidbit on this the other day. I have not heard this. Yeah, I, I don't think this is common knowledge. So that's what I heard from a coach <laughs> that the, apparently the, the shoe deal with Reebok is still continued, but the apparel deal with Venom will kick in in April. So we'll keep tabs on that too, because I think that's a pretty big deal considering you know sponsorships and money and how is that all going to work. I think that's another thing to keep an eye on this year that probably won't get enough uh, coverage. Jay, I would agree with Jay, that 100%. Yeah. I, I don't think you're only speaking for yourself when you uh, voice your displeasure of uh, some of the stuff that happened with Reebok. Uh, I have, I, I don't see it as a step back. I mean, yes, Reebok is of course a, a more well-known brand amongst a, a broader audience, but I think going back, I think going with an MMA apparel company, it, it, it's a good thing. It's if it if it allows for better designs, less errors, quote, hopefully more individuality. I know that's asking for a lot under the UFC umbrella, but I'm you know I'm crossing my fingers here. I'm being I'm the prince of positivity. I'm being optimistic. So uh, anything that gets them away from uh, from Reebok, I'm I'm happy about. Uh, and of course, hopefully results in more uh, sponsorship money for the fighters. But uh, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. Happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't hold, don't hold your breath, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, last thing on this, AK. Of course, I mean the UFC is at the top of the list in terms of major promotions and storylines. But we have Bellator, who had they did what they could in a pandemic-filled year. They took some time off. They came back. They had some big events made a lot of interesting free agent signings, a lot of prospect signings, and then they come out with 
the Yoel Romero signing, the Anthony Johnson signing, and so forth and so on. PFL also had a newsworthy year with their free agent signings, bringing in Anthony Pettis and Rory McDonald and, and, and countless others, but they didn't have any events in 2020 due to the pandemic and all the craziness that goes with putting on a, a season here in the sport of mixed martial arts. So which one of these promotions from like an intrigue and storyline perspective sticks out to you more with this new year? Are you more, are you more intrigued about what Bellator is going to do? Or are you more intrigued with what PFL is going to do after a year away? Okay. I'm not saying that I, it, they made the bigger moves, but relative, relative to, again, the position that they're in in 2020. And I guess this is easy to say, because like you said, they didn't, weren't able to run any shows in 2020. I think PFL did an amazing job of reminding uh, people that one, that they exist. Uh, and two, kind of saying like, look, oh, now we're really stepping up from, uh, from our 2019 season. Like you may, you know, if you enjoy 2018 and 2019, 2019 seasons, great. This is even better. If you've never heard of us before, guess what? We bring in familiar names. We've got, we got Verdum, former UFC champion. We've got Anthony Pettis, former UFC champion, you know, Laura McDonald coming in, of course, as, as uh, James said, we got to keep an eye on that situation, former Bellator champion. So uh, I, I just, I think relatively speaking, I think they made the bigger moves. A lot of people talk about Bellator, of course, you know, Kiro Romero, Anthony Johnson, that, the quote-unquote best light heavyweight division in uh, MMA. I don't know about that, but it's it's at least a, a buzz phrase they have going around. But uh, no, I, I'm really, really keeping an eye on the PFL this year. I'm someone who, of course, has uh, been a fan of the league for, for a few years now, uh, and I'm always recommending people if they can uh, find a good, a good way to watch it. Uh, sometimes they broadcast things free on Facebook. I'm not sure what's going on with their broadcasting deal this year, but either way, it shouldn't be too, it should be too inconvenient. Um, so yeah, and I think it'd be really, really give them a lot of uh, credibility if someone like... Um, and Anthony Pettis wins like a million dollars. It's just, it's just, it's it, not to take anything away from former champions, but I think none of them really necessarily broke through even after winning tournaments. Lance Palmer won two tournaments and doesn't really have that much mainstream cachet, right? So I want to see what happens if it goes the other way. You take someone who already has a name and then they win a tournament. Um, will that help the league more? I, I, again, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but that, that's, uh, that for me is something to definitely keep an eye on. What do you think, James? Which which organization has a little more intrigue to you? I mean, PFL started off rough. There was talks about lawsuits and getting people out of contracts. Then we saw Kayla Harrison fight in different promotions. We saw uh, Muhammad Usman fight for Titan FC. We saw some different things. They're allowing their fighters to have a little more freedom as long as they didn't fight in the UFC or Bellator. But of these two promotions, Bellator, PFL, which one are you more fascinated by, intrigued by heading into the 2021 fight year? has to be Bellator. I mean, there's a possibility of them doing a light heavyweight tournament with names like Bader and Musasi. And, you know, you just think of some of the names involved. Romero, like, could you imagine if they pulled that off, how cool that tournament would be? That might be one of the best tournaments we've had since Pride. And I think there's just so much more intrigue with Bellator, the way they've changed their free agent signings, right? They're not just bringing over, you know, big names, like, like kind of what PFL is doing. They're bringing over fighters that have potential. Jeremy Kennedy, Brett Johns. They're making these moves where they're actually making really competitive fights. They've got Sergio Pettis there at Bantamweight. They've got a new Bantamweight champion in Juan Archuleta. I think there's just so much more intrigue with Bellator in terms of being a pure fan of the sport. Yeah, there's some nice names over there, and I am, I'm, you know, sort of interested to see how like an Anthony Pettis will do over there. But if from a competitive standpoint, I think there's way better fights to make in Bellator. And not even mentioning AJ McKee. I mean, this kid is unbelievable. He's, I think, he's got one fight left in his Bellator deal. This could be a bona fide superstar for that promotion, especially if we end up getting the Pitbull and McKee fight. There's just so many better fights over there in Bellator right now. 
My only gripe with Bellator and Alex, you can relate to this. Where, when the hell are they going to figure out their TV deal in Canada? Because we can't watch oh right my now. Gosh. Um, it's it's an absolute nightmare. And, and frankly, there's no excuse for it. I mean, Bellator uh, should know that yeah. Canada is a very big market for them. They have a lot of Canadians on the roster. They got to fix that ASAP because you're missing a huge market right now. If you look at North America, there's plenty of Canadians that tune into MMA. And I think they got to fix that as soon as possible. You know, I know, I think, uh, what is it? Eastlink, who no one has in Canada, has CBS Sportsnet. Well, the rest of us don't. If you're on a major television carrier, you don't get that they got to fix that as soon as possible put it on youtube put it on somewhere where i can watch it and i'm not having to you know find other alternative methods to watch it but other than that i think bellator's got a much more intriguing uh, season this year for 2021 yes preach preach james uh mike i'm sure you have a follow-up question but i will say one other thing and one other feather in, in pfl's cap and i assume the plan is to have her make her debut uh this year but i guess it's not nothing's you know guaranteed until fighters books clarissa she i can't Clarissa Shields. Between the two, there, there is no more talent, uh, new, actually new talent that I'm more intrigued by than, of course, Clarissa Shields. You know, great, great boxer, fantastic personality, very, super charismatic. Uh, and how will she look at MMA? Don't know. Could could look terrible. But uh, she's saying all the right things, making all the right moves. I think PFL was a, the, a very uh, good move for her, a logical move for her to sign with. Uh, they'll find they'll find some for her to beat up. Hopefully, you know, some someone uh, uh, around her level of competition experience. So that to me is the, is the one name that I think uh, that Bellator can't match as far as how intrigued I am to see them fight. A lot of burning questions indeed as we get ready for the final question of this program in regulation. It will go on because Alex K. Lee is on the board. It was the it started off hashtag Marlin on Marlin, and we, we went from there. You just uh you're you're cooking with gasoline, AK. So this final question of regulation, it can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. It could be a major name, could be a superstar, could be someone that's on the rise, a prospect, anything in between. Well, let's just go ahead and have some fun with this, AK. We're going to begin with you. If you had to choose one fighter to watch in 2021 for whatever reason, and I know you mentioned Clarissa Shields. I don't know if she's your answer here, but who would it be and why? No, no. I'm going with a, a more conventional answer. I'm going with a champion. Uh, I have two, actually, two ideas. They're both featherweights, but I'll go with my number one choice. If, if we're to expand further, I'll, I'll give my second choice. But my number one choice, if I had to pick... I, I think this is going to be a hell of a year uh, for Alexander Volkanovsky. I think this guy does not get enough respect. I, I, I understand the two Holloway fights uh, were close. Well, the first one wasn't. I think the first fight, anyone who watched that is a clear-cut win for Volkanovski. Exactly. Maybe, maybe it, yeah, maybe it wasn't like the most like dominating, exciting win, but by the way we score fights, I'm sorry, guys, Volkanovski clearly beat him the first fight. Second fight, sure, up for debate, uh, and, and much more exciting than the first fight. Uh, and I also understand Max Holloway is a very, liked, a very well-liked champion, uh, and if you're the guy that beats him, you're immediately going to get uh, a lot of a lot of daggers pointed in your direction, unfortunately. But Volkanovski is such a he's such a funny interview. Um, he's he's really uh, he's such a great story as far as you know, his his body change, where he came from, how how far along he came. Um, there's so much to like there, and, and just people just for some reason uh, find are finding ways always finding ways to discredit his wins. Um, they didn't like how he beat Aldo. They they didn't like that. I, that didn't gain him a lot of fans either. But he's got challengers lined up. Brian Ortega, first and foremost, that fight has to happen. We got to book that one. Uh, the winner of Cater Holloway. I, I don't know if Cater uh, Holloway gets that third fight right away, but it's certainly possible. And if Cater went beats Holloway, obviously he definitely gets it. Zabit is out there somewhere. Uh, Josh Emmett, hopefully, fingers crossed, he can come back from that from that injury uh, and fight sometime this year. He's certainly in talks. Arnold Allen, Bryce Mitchell, uh, the goat Ryan Hall. I mean, the true champ. Let's be honest, the real champion uh, Ryan Hall. If people can finally you know stop ducking him. He deserves it. And as something I sort of teased earlier, who knows? Maybe even 
Henry, <laughs> Henry Cejudo comes out of the woodworks and said, I'm going to, be, you know, quadruple C. I'm coming for another one more title. I'm going to, I'm coming back, but only 145. I want Volkanovski, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying I want to see that, but I'm saying this is Volkanovski's chance to have a, one of those classic three title, maybe four title defenses, but at least three, which of course we kind of, we you know we missed out on uh, in 2020 because of the pandemic and limited a lot of people's options. But I, I, I do think of all the champions that might get that nice three title defenses uh, in a calendar year, I think Volkanovski is definitely in line to do it. Um, and I think he's, he's going to, I think I favor him in pretty much all these fights, except against Ryan Hall, obviously, but again, he will never, he'll never fight him because no one will. And, uh, and, and I think if by the end of the year, he's champion after beating two people, I think he'll have a whole, whole new level of respect. And I, or at least I hope that's the case. All right, James, we got, you know, we will follow back up and let AK do a number two and you can do the same James, but, uh, who's your fighter to watch in 2021? It was Clarissa Shields, but we already talked about her. And I just want to quickly mention that I think it's really intriguing with her just because of the fact she's not even in the prime of her career yet. It's not like a James Tony or Holly Holm where they're coming over, you know, in their 30s and they're a little bit older. This is someone who's in the prime of their career working with Holly Holm, which could pro you know, is the best option possible. Holly came over from boxing, found a lot of success in MMA. So very intrigued by that. That's going to be one for sure. But I'm going to go with uh, one a little bit off the radar here a little bit, and things could get complicated depending on the division, but I'm going to go with Cyril Gain. Now, we saw glimpses of this last year with him getting the win over Junior Dos Santos, but this guy is unbelievable. You look at how little MMA experience this guy has and some of the wins he's already got, not just over um, you know, Junior Dos Santos, but you know, beating Tanner Bozer and finishing Dante Mays. This guy looks like the real deal, and he's 30 years old, which he might as well be 18 in any other division because you know heavyweight's an old division. So this is a guy who's in the prime of his career right now, and there's an interesting story and that I don't know if a lot of people are paying attention to, and that is Francis Naganu. Of course, who is gained coached by? It is Fernan Lopez, Fern uh, uh, Francis Naganu's old coach. That's a fight down the line that could be very interesting if it does end up coming up, but this is a huge year for Cyril Gain uh, because of the fact that if he continues to build like this, if he gets sort of these wins over these more notable opponents, he's a guy I think we got to talk about at heavyweight and just his style with the fact that he's a young guy, very fast, very mobile. I think he's one that could really break into that contender spot this year and, and really sort of, because uh, I think he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. I think if you look at, you know, heavyweight in general, when was the last time we had a prospect like this that was just sort of, you know, taking everyone out? So I think Gain is a guy to really keep an eye on this year. I think he's going to make huge strides. And I think down the line that a uh, potential fight with Naganu could be huge just with everything happening behind the scenes. Of course, if you haven't heard Naganu and his coach parting sort of on bad terms, Naganu now in Vegas. Uh, you've got Fernand Lopez now coaching Cyril Gaines, sort of his prodigy. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds. So Cyril Gaines is going to be my fighter of the year to watch. All right, who's your other one, AK? Uh, I'm sticking with Featherweight. And man, I think, look, the AJ McKee Pitbull fight, I mean, that might be my most anticipated title fight of, I mean, off the top of my head right now, even taking into account something like, a, like a, a, a Izzy and, and Jan Blachowicz, Boy, that that Pitbull uh, AJ McKee fight sounds fun, doesn't it? I mean, and McKee, unbeaten, homegrown Bellator talent, exciting as anybody competing at, at 145 pounds or 155 pounds, once, wherever you want. He's one of the most exciting fighters in the sport right now. He's so damn good. Um, I, I, who knows? Maybe maybe he only fights once this year. But even if he only fights Pitbull, boy, that's big. I, I would imagine if he fought Pitbull and beat him, he'd, he'd sneak in at least one more title defense, uh, hopefully two. Again, hard to predict these things but i think he's so intriguing um he'll become one of the one of the guys to kind of uh reach that level of um recognition outside of bellator uh kind of like chandler has to some degree because chandler even before he came to the ufc i think there's you know there was some respect there i think mckee will get some of that same respect um and i and uh without even having to jump ship which is you know which is huge and i think by the end of the year i think this kid will be so good i say kid but i think this fighter will be so good and show so much that uh people will be asking 
even with all the respect I expect to be calling Volkanovski's way, I think by the end of the year, a lot of people will be wondering, man, is is AJ McKee the best featherweight in the world? I think that discussion is going to come up, uh, and I hope it does for both guys. I hope I, not, it's not to take away from both guys. I hope both guys have such good years if that's the discussion we have. I dig it. James, you have any, any other ones you want to throw out? Give you some equal well, time? I, I think I think this is kind of an obvious one. I don't mean to bore the audience, but I think Hamzat Chimaev, there's a lot of intrigue to see where this goes here. I mean, it looks like they're going to rebook the Edwards fight. I mean, Dana White has said as much. We don't have a date yet, but I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders. If he doesn't go out there and demolish Leon Edwards, I mean, a lot of the hype that he built last year is going to kind of, you know, go away a little bit. And granted, he can still go back up to middleweight, but I think there's a lot of intrigue here because from my perspective, if Hamzat Chimaev beats Leon Edwards, even if it's just a decision, I think he's getting a title shot. I really see the UFC pushing this guy. When was the last time we had a guy with three UFC fights fight the number three guy in the division? That does not happen very often. Um, it's really intriguing to see what will happen there. And guys, I'm sure you guys see this with the traffic on your sites. Anything have related, this guy is the 2000, he was the 2020 Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal was the, the talk of the town in 2019. 2020 was Chimaev. Can he continue that this year? I think that's going to be very interesting. And trust me, Leon Edwards is not a slouch there. Eight fight win streak criminally underrated in the division. I think that's such a huge fight. And that's why I'm glad they're trying to rebook that fight. Well, James, we're definitely glad. We're glad you mentioned him because we are actually contractually obligated to mention Hamzad at least. At least <laughs> once yeah, yeah. yeah, it had been way too long. Thank goodness. So so we can put that in the tags now. We can put that in the, you know, we, we now there we are go. allowed to put that out wherever it needs to go. Yeah, so we get to say, get that SEO, you know. So uh, thank thank you. Thank you for mentioning Hamzad. Yes. <laughs> it's way too long oh, to get man. to that. Whoa, I almost forgot. There were two things in 2020 that I got crushed on more than anything. One was calling Volkanovsky Holloway 2 not a robbery. I got destroyed on social media for that. It wasn't a robbery. And the no. other thing I got destroyed on more than anything is I decided in my infinite wisdom for my first awards write-up in MMA fighting history to write the Breakthrough Fighter of the Year and Shamayev won over Kevin Holland. Good God almighty, did I get crushed. And by the way, I said on this show that Kevin Holland was my Breakthrough Fighter of the Year. People are blaming me for that. Give me a damn break. But you can't, listen, you can't get mad with Shamayev winning that award. The definition of Breakthrough Fighter of the Year is fighter you never heard of and now you heard of him, Okay. People knew who Kevin Holland was, so I understand that. But Kevin Holland went to another level. I get that, too. There's arguments for both. I don't want to hear any more crying about it. None. No more. But uh, I, I like your choices, gentlemen. I like them both. But we're going to side with Alexander Lee because we are going to head to the first knockout round of 2020. And this will be an interesting twist to the game, ladies and gentlemen. Something we have never done before in the history of the program for the knockout round. But the competitors oh, no. have no oh, idea no. where this is going. Oh, no. They will have 60 seconds to give their response. And then we will turn it over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, E. Casey Lydon. And he will render the final decision first. We're going to do things the old-fashioned way. A.K., pick a number between 1 and 50. How, how are we authorizing this? Are you have you sent this number to the truck? Are we Check just supposed to trust you? Come on, oh, okay. Just I got the number in my head. This has nothing to do with the knockout round. Thirty-five. James Lynch. Uh, I'll go seven. Thirty-three is the number. So, AK, you have the first option, and I mean first option. And you'll see where I'm going with this in a moment. But would you like to answer this question first? or pass it on over to James Lynch. Give it to me first. That's wow. how I roll. 
You know, uh, why yeah. do you even ask? Respect. Respect. Why do you See, even here's ask? here's the thing. Here's what's interesting about this question, AK. It's because what's interesting about it is you're not going to be answering the same question. I mean, you kind of are, but you're not going to be answering the same question. You now have a second choice to make because we are introducing a brand new segment to the knockout round. It is called, What Am I Thinking? We have four mystery options to choose from. Each option is a different fighter that you need to portray in 60 seconds or less what this fighter could be thinking at this very moment looking at 2021. So pick a number between one and four, and then I will give you your uh, your fighter. Why do you keep finding new ways to embarrass me? And you know, <laughs> I was terrible at these originally. Four. Number four, ooh. So in this round of what am I thinking, AK, you are Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards was scheduled to fight Hamzat Shemaev December 19th, and then again on January 20th. Both fights have been postponed due to COVID-19 reasons. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock right now. And what are you thinking, Leon Edwards, with everything going on? Your time starts now. All right, all right. I'm Leon Edwards. I'm Leon Edwards. Uh, yo, I'm really looking forward to the Kamzat Shamaya fight. Uh, I sound more like... <laughs> I'll say who I sound like after. Uh, no, look, I, I, I still want... I'm, I'm glad that the UFC uh, is not uh, giving me a new opponent. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff to care of my end. Again, we don't know what's going on with the UK lockdown situation. Hopefully, uh, I'm still able to book uh, be booked whenever they need me. But... This Kamzat fight has a lot of heat behind it. Yes, I would like to get back in, the, get back in there sooner. Yes, I was hoping to fight uh, in the first fight week of January. But at this point, I'm starting to uh, trust the UFC's plan for me. It hasn't always been great. We haven't always gotten along. It's, it's been a rocky road. But I know that if this Kamzat fight happens and I win, I am right back uh, where I belong. I'm already in a top five spot, uh, but people still are not putting respect on my name. If I beat Hamzat, they will. I don't know why my other wins didn't do it, but this is the one that does it. So thank you, UFC, for postponing instead of canceling. I'm ready to fight Hamzat still. All right. Thank you, Leon Edwards. And now, James Lynch, we have no three problem, other right. choices no problem, left. Right. One, two, or three. Which one are you going with? One. Ooh, this is a good choice. It's a good choice, James Lynch. You way, are can speaking I just, before, on... before you tell me, I know Mike just designed this because he wants me to do an impression because I'm very good at impressions. So I, just, I, I think <laughs> oh, that's really? what really comes down to. As, as good as my Leon Edwards slash, slash random uh, Londoner. Add in celebrity pickoffs. Mike knows what I'm talking about in New York uh, yes. in 2019. I'm very good at that. But anyways, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay. Uh, actually, I didn't even think about that, but now that I think about it, I might have to change this. But anyways, to, to be fair, you are speaking on behalf of the former UFC Bantamweight champion, TJ Dillashaw, who is going to be set to make his return later this month after his USADA suspension comes to an end. 60 seconds are on the clock. What are you thinking, TJ Dillashaw? What's your 2021 goals? What are you thinking? Your time starts now. Well, you know what? First of all, man, like uh, I, I definitely didn't lose that title. You know, people saying that I was on EPO my whole career. They're just a bunch of liars and haters. You know, man, like I'm going to want to go up there and fight uh, Jose Aldo. I mean, that's the biggest fight you can do right now. And you see my teammate Juan Archuleta. You saw Brian Ortega. We're in a roll right now, man. And personally, I just see like me coming back and, uh, you know, reclaiming my throne. And I, I never left. You know, I never lost the bantamweight title. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. You know, these guys are going to be calling me out, right? You got Piotr Jan and you got Aljamain Sterling. Who's the biggest name in the division? It's me, man. So 
I'm just coming out and uh, just just wanting to prove my worth. You know, uh, people want to count me out. I've been counting out my whole life. You know, Team Alpha Male, you know, the peanut butter and all that stuff with Wayne Ludwig. Well, whatever, man. You know, pe- people always want to want to hate on me, but I, I'm going to come back and win that belt, man. You'll see. You'll see. Wow. With Twelve that was seconds not my best to spare. Hey, TJ Dillashaw's me, Leon Edwards. Uh, yes, my, my English accent changed, by the way. It's me, Leon Edwards. Uh, it's great to have you on the show, mate. You sound like yeah, Gareth yeah, Davies. Team here, man. A lot of respect. I, a lot of respect that's, I think I'm doing Gareth. Also, I, like, I, also I sound a lot like ex-Detroit uh, Lions head coach Matt Patricia. Go check it out, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, for, Mike, former Mike, you got some amazing – I mean, you got some amazing – I can't believe you got Leon Edwards and TJ Dillashaw to call into the show. Wow. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. But now we have to hand it on over to uh, the Honorable Judge E. Casey Lydon, who uh, this might have to be a regular thing on the program now, Casey. How do you rule after this incredible first knockout round of 2021? This was an easy one. Thank you, gentlemen, for your participation. But your winner for the first episode of 2021 between the links and new the Canadian <laughs> James Lynch yeah oh, this man. no this is bollocks mate this is this is bollocks mate <laughs> hey you know what man you just you gotta quit complaining you just gotta roll up the punches man I've been out two years <laughs> oh man that was unbelievable but uh James, the seven dollars. We we don't have the seven dollars in the budget yet to, okay. to give you your prize. Take a while but to get, you get 30, <laughs> Yeah, you get thirty seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different. You also earn yourself a title shot against Jed Mashu uh, wh- whenever you see fit. So, the floor is yours, man. Thirty seconds to talk about good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, yeah, just uh, want to thank you guys for having me on. But uh, let's let's talk about uh, 2021 and some of the matchups that are taking place. Enough with this. Leon Edwards should have taken a short notice fight, guys. Like we talked there, he's got this rocket in Hamzat Chimaev that he can fight. All the hype's behind him. This idea that he's scared to fight Chiesa or Magni or any of these guys. We got to get off this. No fighter's scared to fight anyone. Sometimes stuff makes more sense business-wise. It's like Masvidal not fighting Edwards. That doesn't make any business sense for Masvidal. He's looking at bigger fish in terms of name value and all that. So, fans, if I can teach you one thing in 2021, enough of this fighter's scared or their duck. Sometimes they're just businessmen at the end of the day and women. Don't want to exclude them, but uh, there we go. That's what I got to say here. Just remember, fighters are not scared to duck or they're not they're not scared of anyone. Okay, let's just want to end on that. Well, there you go. Uh, before we uh, <clears throat> before we say goodbye, a quick scheduling announcement. Uh, we are going to be changing things up with the schedule in 2021. We're going to swap things out for the foreseeable future. It's not happening next week. I think it's going to happen maybe a couple weeks down the road, but uh this program between the links will move to Thursdays moving forward, probably the end of this month. And then uh, that's going to sort of give us a better chance to react to the new cycle of the week because so many friggin' times on the show in 2020, we did a whole show. And then like the next day, this massive piece of news would come out and we didn't even get a chance to react to it. So we're going to do that. And then what the heck, which normally aired on Thursdays, that's going to be moved to Tuesdays. So we're going to try something different. I know change sucks. It's a pain in the ass, but we're going to try uh, and make this as seamless as possible. But we'll give you a little bit of a buffer space before we do that. So stay tuned for more on that. With that said, thank you for joining us once again on the show. Love doing it. 2021 is going to be fun. Looking forward to it. For James, AK, Casey Lydon, I am Mike Heck, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. 
and we'll see you back here next week between the links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.